So for example, this opportunity with this gentleman, like on paper, it sounded great, right? It was potential to, to run a company, raise funds, potentially exit, right? Like um, have a lot of equity and something that could be big, but it just, it, it felt, it just didn't feel right. It felt like doing more of the same. It just wasn't the challenges. And so the best thing I, I did, which is very unlike me, I mean, I did jump into starting with Braid, but I, I left myself open. I let myself experiment. To your point, I let myself feel, get curious, listen to how things felt. And that's when I pivoted, you know, and sort of had this epiphany weight. Like I am meant to do the career and leadership stuff. That's like where I shine. That's where like my, my energy should go and I can do it my own way. And I don't think, you know, I think old Aaron would have gone down the wrong path and gotten stuck in that path. But I did give myself enough space to just really try things on for size and, you know, I suggest anyone that's thinking about a change, like there's nothing more powerful than being able to do that. Welcome to the Rebel Souls podcast, where we flip the middle finger to the status quo. I'm your host, Shelly Paxton, lifelong rebel, liberator of souls, and author of Soulbatical, a corporate rebel's guide to finding your best life. Settle in as we dive deep with badass leaders who are rebelling for what matters most in life business, and the world at large. I'm so happy you're here. Let's get this revolution started. Hello and welcome back, my fellow rebel souls. How are you? I have to admit, I'm recording this a few weeks in advance of when it's going to air. And I kind of have tension in my chest and a pit in my stomach because I don't know what the world's going to look like when you're listening to this, my friend, I don't know how the U.S. elections, what the outcome of the elections will be. I don't know what it's going to look like with kind of this second peak or wave of COVID coming through the world. I know Europe is most many countries are going on another lockdown. And even here in Chicago, the numbers are starting to spike again. My planned mini sabbatical in Mexico is still on, but it's kind of a day-by-day wait-and-see, watch what's going on in the world, see what's happening in Mexico. They've had a mini outbreak around where I'm going. So I'm waiting and seeing. So it just feels like there's a lot up in the air and I don't know where we're going to land and I don't know that we're going to have any more certainty by the time you're listening to this. But I know one thing, I know that this particular message, my conversation with Aaron Hatsakostas, who is my guest today, is more relevant than ever. We're talking about rebelling for authenticity in leadership. And you're going to love Aaron. And honestly, you guys, like... If, if the craziness with leadership in the world and COVID turning how we work inside out and actually redefining leadership, whoo, this is like, this is a call for all of us to step into our authenticity, to step into who we be and to model that. And as we talk about, as Aaron and I talk about, become a living invitation for leading authentically and showing up authentically in your life because it's a permission slip for others as well. 
And I know I'm preaching to the choir, but we need more authenticity in our lives, in our businesses, in the world at large. And hell, that's what this is all about. Rebel Podcast. Remember, flipping the middle finger to the status quo. So yeah, I hope that gets you as fired up as it gets me. Like it somewhat makes that knot in my stomach start to unravel because it reminds me that we have the power to create those ripples of impact. We have the agency to determine how we want to show up in the world. And authenticity is the way forward, my friends. And so Erin is, she's a rock star. She is a fellow rebel soul sister. Her story is amazing. We get into it. So I'm just going to give you the little teaser sound bites. But Aaron's a former CEO of like a mega company owned by Aetna, which was then acquired by CVS. I mean, we're talking like a big deal here. She was a CEO at the age of 42 and she took this company and turned it around and she did it her way. So she did it as a woman in the C-suite and she did it by saying, you know what? I'm not following the rules. I'm not, I'm not like paying attention to that crusty old, you know, leadership book. I'm going to I'm going to take a fresh approach and one that feels really natural and authentic to me and who I am and how I want to show up in the world. And so we talk all about that, you know, what did that look like for her? And then what led her on this mission? She's now she decided to leave and she is on a mission in the world to help people have the career that they deserve without compromising everything else. And at the heart of that is this idea of authenticity and leadership. And what does that look like? Because it's going to look different for each and every one of us. And she talks us through, she kind of has a framework around strategic authenticity that we can put into play or practice in our lives. And she has a book coming out, comes out in February of 2021 called You Do You-ish, An Executive Guide to Authentic Success. I'm super excited. And by the way, by the time you're listening to this, it's going to be available for pre-order. So we're going to make sure that you've got the link to that. And she just did a TEDx talk and by the time you're listening to this, the the link will, the video will be out and live. And I miss the live streaming of it. So I cannot wait to see it. But we talk all about it because it was, it was this idea, like why you don't have to compromise for your career. So it's not about leaving corporate. I mean, Aaron and I, it's really beautiful. I mean, we we relate on so many levels and it's partially because our missions are so aligned. The idea is like, yeah, you do you in the world. I say live and lead more authentically, courageously, and purposefully. And she's really dialed in on the authenticity piece of it. And there's so much practical goodness to say, like, how do you create that life? And how do you become a part of this movement? And she has so many funny ways to do this. And I'll give you this little teaser. Like, authenticity is the secret weapon. And one of the things she says is, she says, come on, be an a-hole. Yeah, I just said that a-hole, but you know what? It doesn't mean asshole, but I'm not going to tell you what it means because she explains it to us and it's part of how we can join this movement and what we can become. And it's a positive, not a negative. 
And it's something that's going to make you laugh and just remind you that, remind all of us, actually. I mean, to me, it was medicine having this conversation with her because it was just a reminder that we got to stop taking ourselves so seriously. And part of authenticity and part of not compromising and part of like throwing away the crusty rule book is having some fun, doing it our way, breaking the rules, which hello, reminder and reminder to rebel soul number one right here. And if you're listening, I'm actually pointing at myself on the video. (laughs) So yeah, there are so many beautiful reminders. I love it. Erin calls herself a professional pot stirrer. And we talk about what that means at the end, but it also put a huge smile on my face because it was such a reminder. Like I call myself a liberator of souls. I'm not a fan of traditional job titles that put you in a box. And what a great reminder that not only can we do things a different way, we don't have to sign up for like a job title has to sound a certain way or look a certain way. Like let's call ourselves what we do in the world and let's kind of agitate things a little bit. So professional pot stirrer, and you'll see why I'm just listening to her. It's like, oh yeah, she's in there. Even the, the way she speaks and the language she's using. Yeah. I mean, you'll understand why. And I think many of you will feel like, oh yeah, that's a fellow rebel soul and somebody I want to follow a book. I want to buy a TEDx talk. I must listen to and somebody you'll want to follow. She also has a podcast called Because. And it's really irreverent and fun. So she just, she carries her own spirit and rebelliousness and playfulness with her everywhere she goes. And if that isn't a beautiful reminder right now, that we need that breath of fresh air. And guess what? We can all be that breath of fresh air in our own way. And we need it, you guys with everything going on. And I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know what's happened in the world by the time you're listening to this just a few weeks later. But I know for sure that this is the antidote or at least a part of the antidote to what is going on. The more of us putting our authentic rebelliousness and playfulness and just flavor of ourselves out into the world and doing it our way. This is ripples of impact. Okay, so I've really built this up. So now I just want to dive into the conversation with the lovely and talented Erin Hetzacostas. And I think you're going to fall in love with her as much as I have. So enjoy. Let's dive in. Thanks, you guys, for tuning in. Before we begin, I want to share an offering from my soul to yours. If you've achieved traditional success only to realize that you're living someone else's dream, then this will start you on a profound journey toward becoming chief soul officer of your own life, just like I did. I'm gifting you a free chapter from my book, Soulbatical, A Corporate Rebel's Guide to Finding Your Best Life. It's called Liberating from the Shackles of Should. And if you're ready to, then visit soulbatical.com to download it for free. That's S-O-U-L-B-B-A-T-I-C-A-L.com. Warning, side effects include intense joy and fulfillment. Welcome back and let's dive into my conversation with a rebel soul sister of the highest order. Erin, welcome to Rebel Souls Podcast. Thank you. Super happy to be here. And mostly I'm just, I'm excited to see you. 
like, oh my gosh, I know. Like my window in to get Shelly time. Oh, I know we get to riff. Well, it's you and I have so much fun and we had so freaking much fun on your podcast. So I am excited to just repay the favor and yeah, have an excuse to hang out and chat and get into your stuff. I mean, it was hilarious as you and I were having our, the conversation on, on your Because podcast it was like, we had this in common and this in common as you were going through my book, you were like, holy shit, sister, holy shit, sister. Like we had all that. So I think this is like now like revealing new layers of how many parallels there are in our journey, our journeys, I should say. Totally agree. I am just so in awe of you and so happy. I'm not trying to like suck up, but I'm so happy that we're friends and it does. It feels good. Like it's fun being a rebel, but it's way more fun when you find other rebels to hang out with. For sure. Amen, sister. And you know what? This is a whole community. So everyone listening in is like part of our posse and it's fun. So I feel like you guys all get, you know, the inside scoop on some of the rebel soul sister chat. So let's dive in because you have an amazing story that I want to unpack and you're up to some really cool shit in the world that I want to make sure we get into. So we're going to start with my favorite question. Erin, what are you rebelling for? So in the end, I rebel for authenticity in the workplace. And I, you know, I know you had Jennifer on earlier who talked about authenticity. I kind of feel like we're in like this relay race where I am really trying to shake things up in particular in the corporate workplace. And she's sort of bringing that out to business world. Oh, are you talking about Jessica? Yes. Jessica Zweig. Yes, yes, yes. What did I say her name wrong? Jennifer. Yeah, but that's okay. Jessica Zweig, who is the founder of Simply Be. Yes. Another amazing human and rebel soul. Yeah. But yeah, let's talk about your flavor of authenticity because you know, authenticity is one of the things that I preach. It is most definitely one of the things we have in common. And I want to unpack it because we all talk about it a little bit differently. So when you say that, when you say authenticity in the workplace, what does it mean for you? Like what's your badass definition of authenticity? Yeah. So, and I'll even start with a story first because, you know, authenticity isn't a word I really used in my vocabulary all that often until a couple of years ago. And it was sort of one of those like, oh, you were like known for your authenticity when you were in the workplace and when you're an executive and when you're running your company, the truth is I wasn't, I was, but I didn't know the word. So essentially, you know, what happened is I, you know, I finished much like you, I had a, a strong corporate career I ended up becoming a, a corporate CEO for three years, running a company about a thousand people and had great success. Okay. Let's just, yeah. Pause. Like you had a <laughs> big ass CEO job at in the healthcare space, like a $9 billion company. We, we had $2 billion assets under management, but like I always tell people, yeah, it was healthcare and it was financial. So we were like right. at the corner of Maine and Maine on everything complex, everything regulated. Yeah, it was some real, real stuff we had to take care of. And, you know, just quickly the story on that, it was, it's kind of a shit show when I came in. It had started to turn around, so I can't take all of the credit, but our finances were not doing well. The culture wasn't doing well. And in in three years, I really turned it around quite significantly. And then, you know, had this this feeling, this itch, right? Like what's next? And actually, you know, the, the most 
impactful thing that happened to me. I was I was starting to figure feel like, okay, I need something new. I don't know what it is. It could be in corporate. It could be somewhere else. But I just, the itch is there, which is an itch I had gotten before throughout my career. But it felt different. And I remember I was traveling. I was on a Southwest flight because I remember in the being in the cattle call line. And I was next to this woman, nice older woman. And we just started talking. And uh, I had a nice enough conversation. We actually sat next to each other when we got on the plane. And I learned a little bit more about her. She had been in the corporate world for 10, 15 years and then left and started her own company. And uh, she did HR consulting and she was, she was talking through all of that. And she was telling me all these things. I was asking her all these questions. And finally, you know, I just, we stopped and paused and I said, I'm sorry. I know I'm asking you so many questions, but I'm thinking about what's next for me. And part of me thinks it's going out and doing something different, maybe on my own. And then I said to her, but it's really so stupid of me right now because, you know, my reputation, my sort of equity at work has never been higher. I like just turned around this company. I'm sort of rising star. And she just looked at me so succinctly, so matter of factly and just said, who says this is the top? And it was like one of the most profound things that's ever been said to me, especially how she said it. And it was that moment that finally gave me permission to, to say, okay, I had so overanalyzed, you know, this gut feeling and this itch, but then, you know, in the left side of my brain sort of said, well, that, that'd be really ridiculous. That'd be really stupid. And so I, I tell that story because, you know, back to your question about authenticity. So I, uh, about a year later, it took me about a year. I, I decided to retire. I was actually of retirement age. I'd been in the parent company for a long time. And when I went to leave the, the notes, the conversations were all like, I'm going to miss your authentic leadership. Mm-hmm. And like, it just, the word kept coming up and up and up. And I remember thinking, Shelly, I was like, is it really that easy? Like, I remember thinking, wait, that's kind of what I did. It was like, put a name to something that I had never put a name to. I'd just been leading the Aaron way. And it was kind of in that moment where I was like, wait, there's so much power. And it, it actually took me a while, though, to really start to realize that this is what I was put on this earth to do. So as I left, I actually didn't start the company that I have now, Be Authentic Inc. I started this software company, which I tell people I started the software company. I didn't actually develop any software. <laughs> I made fancy PowerPoints. I bought fancy domain names. I made a logo. And then all of a sudden, I was like, wait, I have to build shit. I hate building shit. (laughs) Like real, like I love creating, but I hate building. And, and so I was like, had all these different buckets and this had stuck in my mind. And this question, another question somebody had asked me is what breaks your heart? Mm -hmm. And as I really thought about it, the, the, the bullshit in corporate America breaks my heart. The just, you know, the going through the motions, the PowerPoints, the politics, the, you know, all of the things. And it finally hit me like I need to help change that. And I had kind of avoided these, this space of like career and leadership development though, because I was like, well, that's so normal though. There's like hundreds of executive coaches and there's thousands of leadership companies. And I hate normal, like normal is my kryptonite. Another thing we share, which I Oh love. my God, normal. Like, in fact, my, my podcast host just wrote me a couple hours ago. And she's like, did you listen to this podcast? I'm like, yeah, for two minutes, she was too normal. (laughs) And she's like, she's just like, get it. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I finally was like, okay, wait a minute. And this is a message I give people all the time. You shouldn't not do something because you hate the way it was done before. 
You can do it your own way. And that's really what I'm setting out to do. I'm doing career and leadership development in the way I want to do. And the underlying strategy is and thought is that authenticity is the silver bullet and not a passive authenticity, but an active authenticity. How do you actually use it strategically as your secret weapon? success. Yeah. I mean, I love this idea of authenticity as a secret weapon. I want to, okay, put a pin in that for just a second. I'm super curious because you know my story and most people, probably everybody listening knows my story, knows I had this literal like getting woke moment that made me realize like I was living out of alignment and I had to leave Harley. And that's what started this entire soulbatical journey for me. So you had this moment where you're sitting on an airplane next to this woman that who says, you know, mic drop, who says this is the top. Was that the defining moment for you? And or did something else happen that just crystallized like, oh my God, I meant to be doing something else. It's time to pave my way out so I can start this movement, have this bigger impact. Like, was there something else for you? There was. I think the other big moment, you know, I would say I left for about 30 reasons, but the other big moment came a couple months later. So now that I have the permission, right, to at least be exploring it from a random woman on a plane who I still am connected with on LinkedIn and thank her all the time. I love um, it. I started, I actually had an executive coach and I started to work with her to say, okay, I might want to do this, but I had at our company. So I was the CEO of a company and the larger corporation, the president of the corporation was really a big sponsor of mine. Uh, so she, her name was Karen. And one of the things that really worried me though, is, is Karen had been such a sponsor of me that I was now going to walk away from this. And I thought, okay, if I'm going to explore this, I have to do it in a way where you know, I meet with her, I tell her I'm ready for something new, I at least have the conversation. I didn't, you know, go into it saying I'm definitely leaving. But I, I really felt like that was really important part of my journey. I didn't want to decide the next summer. And then Karen, who was like my boss's boss here through the, you know, through the rumor mill that that I was leaving. So I had it was December, a couple months later, and I set up time with her. And, you know, it takes forever, right? And it gets rescheduled like 17,000 times and finally get this 30 minute window to sit with her. And we were actually going through a major acquisition. So the company I worked, the parent company I worked for was Aetna. It was being acquired by CVS. So like biggest acquisition in healthcare history, right? And so that had just come about. And I thought, you know, she's a lot in her mind. I'm not going to bring up the career stuff unless she goes there, right? Like, I don't want to be that nincompoop that goes in and it's just the wrong time. And it's like, let's talk about my career. And meanwhile, she's worried about this, like $65 billion. Making history. Right? Right? Exactly. Like be stupid. And I remember walking into her office and, you know, it was like, we did the niceties. And then she was like, so you've been there for three years. Are you itching for something new? So she, she totally brought it up. And I remember she kept saying, you know, I said, I'm ready for something new. I'm ready for a new challenge. And so she would throw out, well, how about you run, you know, this business unit? And like, it just sat and it fell, right? Like, not, and, I, and I would say, mm, I don't think so. And then she would say, well, how about, what if you were the head of this? And I was like, I couldn't kept say, you know, keep saying no, that sounded so negative. So I'd be like, what I like about that is... But what I don't like about that is, and and so she just kept going through, and I know it sounds kind of pretentious, but she, you know, she was being great. She was sort of trying to figure out how to keep me, what could be my next challenge. 
And every single thing that on paper, if you would have told me a year ago that I'd be potentially offered these roles in the company, I would have like dropped my jaw and been like, just no way for sure. I'll take these. But everyone that she said, just, it left me dead inside. And I remember walking out of that meeting thinking, I don't have any other choice, but, but to leave, I, it's just not going to stimulate me. Like I need to be stimulated. And did you have a sense, like, I, I know that feeling, right? Like when I was having the nightmare and it just forced me to realize that I had, you know, just like you ticked all the boxes of success on the outside, but was feeling like I was dying a little bit on the inside, definitely wasn't feeling that, that joy and fulfillment. And what a reminder, like we've got to listen, like, listen, deeply when you feel that way and get in your body like when somebody presents you with an option opportunity like we know we have usually have a full body yes or full body no and we often ignore that so what a great reminder at that time did you have a sense like okay i think i'm on to something with this authenticity thing i'm getting all this feedback yeah. about my brand of leadership no so you were that like came, that actually came later so okay. I actually, when I decided to retire, I didn't know what I was going to do. I thought, actually, I thought I was going to work on Braid, which was my software company. Okay. But it was interesting. I had other opportunities. I had like all these buckets. I had this, I had one gentleman that wanted me, wanted to spin off a company and have me run it. Um, I had the Braid, you know, idea, the software that I wanted to develop. I had, and to your point about listening. So for example, this opportunity with this gentleman like on paper, it sounded great, right? It was potential to, to run a company, raise funds, potentially exit, right? Like um, have a lot of equity and something that could be big, but it just, it, it felt, it just didn't feel right. It felt like doing more of the same. It just wasn't the challenges. And so the best thing I, I did, which is very unlike me, I mean, I did jump into starting with Braid, but I, I left myself open. I let myself experiment to your point, I let myself feel, get curious, listen to how things felt. And that's when I pivoted, you know, and sort of had this epiphany weight, like I am meant to do the career and leadership stuff. That's like where I shine. That's where I, like my, my energy should go and I can do it my own way. And I don't think, you know, I think old Aaron would have gone down the wrong path and gotten stuck in that path, but I did give myself enough space to just really try things on for size and, you know, I suggest anyone that's thinking about a change, like there's nothing more powerful than being able to do that. Well, and giving yourself that space is really powerful. I love this, this transition that you talk about because you know, in the book, I talk about when I really did the deep identity work, like I had this massive identity crisis in New Zealand, but I realized that as I got deeper into that work, I was saying goodbye to corporate Shelly and hello to soulful Shelly. And really just, you know, trying my identity and my my true essence on for size in a way that wasn't attached to sexy brands and big titles and big paychecks. What did that look like for you? Because I think this is a curiosity. This is a scary part of the journey for a lot of people. Yeah, it's so funny. I was just talking to a colleague yesterday about this. You know, as like I said, there was just so many elements to this transition but I remember also thinking about, okay, so what is keeping me there? I mean, certainly money is always one of those and being able to lead a big team and work with people, but I'm not going to lie, right? Like I had been caught up in like, you know, this, you know, been promoted several times. I had this big position. I had this CEO title. And then I remember thinking, but wait, everybody that I want to be around and hang out with for the most part doesn't have 
any freaking clue what my title is. I mean, some of my best friends, of course, they knew I ran a company. But, you know, if I think about like running around town, I mean, most people didn't know if I was a stay-at-home mom or if I was the CEO of a company. And I think when you can really detach yourself from some of those things and say, wait, not just say, okay, they don't matter, but say, okay, like in what context do they really matter? And in the context that you want to immerse yourself, which for me was, you know, close friends and, and working with other people, like that stuff didn't matter. And, you know, that was one of, you know, many things that allowed me to, to, to walk away. So how did you start diving in deeper into this authenticity, you know, as a, as a secret weapon and realizing like, wait a second, there's something there. Like this has served me well in my own leadership and I can help others embrace this. And cause I feel like that's a great segue into getting into some of the juicy stuff you've created and what you're you know, manifesting in the world. So yeah. So how, like, how did that happen? You start getting that feedback. You realize like, oh wait, like my secret sauce and my secret weapon was authenticity and doing it my own badass way. Cause I think you say somewhere it's like, yeah, you know, authenticity can be like every, um, let's be honest, right. You know, you and I have been around the corporate block many a time and it's like, you can play bullshit bingo all day long with the buzzwords. And I think authenticity and purpose and, you know, the thank, <laughs> frankly, a lot of things that I talk about can be, you know, on some of those lists. And yet when you dive deeper and you put some context around them, you realize like, oh, maybe we haven't been thinking about it. So you said something earlier that intrigued me. You said authenticity isn't passive. So what is it? So talk more about that. What does it mean to you? What's the active version and what are you creating as a result of that? Yeah. And it's been a journey. So let's be honest, you know, I found the word, I sort of attached it to my success and sort of attached it to my company. And then I'll never forget my first keynote I did, which is actually hilarious, by the way, this, this group asked me, you know, you, you see all the sexy stuff, right? Right. You see, oh no, she's a keynote speaker. I did a well, let me just tell you, my first keynote, I had a group contact me like two weeks before their big, maybe two or three, maybe three weeks before their big event, asked me to speak. I kind of pictured about a hundred people in a room because I didn't really know the event. It was this, a bunch of entrepreneurs. And it was like their capstone and they were kind of bringing their companies out to the world. And shit, back in the days, we used to be able to be in rooms together. We used to be able to be in rooms. So I was like, sure, I'll come speak. And so we had that first call, speak, didn't ask them to pay me anything or whatever. And then towards the end of the call, they were like, okay, so we, we expect about 600 people. It was like, okay. And they're like, and it's going to be a Bushnell, which is our major, like where they do, you know, Broadway plays here in yeah. Korea. And then I remember talking to one of my clients at the time was part of this group. He said, oh, are you doing the keynote that day? And I said, no, I'm just coming to speak for like 25 minutes. And then about four or five days later, there's a press release, you know, demo, you know, InsureTech demo day, keynote speaker, Aaron Hatsakostas. And I'm like, Brent, I was wrong. Actually, I'm keynoting. <laughs> it was hilarious. So I tell you this because so, so I got to come up with a keynote. I'm like, oh shit, I'm a keynote speaker. Like as of now. And of course, yeah, I what is my signature talk? <laughs> what is my signature talk? I have no freaking clue. And of course, I want to talk about the power of authenticity. And I remember it went well, you know, it was funny and interactive. I got a lot of great compliments, but this one gentleman came up to me, older guy, and I defined authenticity as, you know, this formula, humor, humility, and storytelling. And he's like, that's great, but that's not me. And I remember thinking, 
you schmuck, you're right. Like you didn't even really, maybe it's, I didn't have the time, but I didn't really pause and sit back and say, what actually is it? And actually didn't start to really do that. So I read, started to write the book that I'm got coming out. You do you ish is what it's called. And the reason for that is as I really dove into writing this book, I got really curious and I'm like, I think it's like, it's hard to define inherently, but I think there is something there. And First of all, and I also did this discovery came when I put together my TED talk that I did a couple weeks ago as well. So first of all, authenticity, the Greek word, Greek word for it is authentikos, which actually means to be genuine, original, and authoritative. And so it's, it's actually, you know, I talk about in the TED talk, it's a much more nuanced and powerful concept. In fact, in the TED talk, I talk about how it's, you know, kind of being yourself and it's kind of being badass, sort of like. If Joe Exotic had a baby with Kamala Harris, that's sort of, that's like my definition of authenticity. And so I started oh my to think God. I can't, I'm it. never going to get that out of my head. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait to show you the Ted talk too. I know you haven't seen it yet. I, well, and I, well, I haven't. And I want to make sure like, so what was, what was the name? What was the title of your Ted talk? Cause I know it comes out in December and it'll probably be out and we'll include the link yeah. by the time this goes live. So remind me, what is the title of the Ted talk? Yeah. The title of that is why you don't have to compromise for your career. So, so I'm doing this work. I'm sort of diving in, understanding it's, it's deeper. And then I really spent a lot of time, a couple of months, really back and forth, just really reflecting on definitions, what I had done, but also like, what makes you say, ah, that person is so authentic. And I actually, I have a framework, but I boil it all down to me. Authenticity is about exposing who you are when people least expect it. You know, so many times, you know, exposing, you know, being kind of rebel Shelly at a pool party, people expect that, right? But if you bring in sort of more of who you are, you know, when you're doing an interview, you know, or a a business meeting, um, that's, those are the times that authenticity really stands out. Do you have a good story around that, like from your own life and your own leadership? Because I think really bringing that like into 3D multicolor would be helpful. Yeah. So for example, I, you know, I just had this a couple of weeks ago, I was meeting with a private equity firm. They're actually, I didn't know it, but they were interviewing me for a board position, which is a whole nother story. Oh. You can tell I'm blonde and somewhat oblivious, but I found myself in the first like job, quote unquote, job interview I've been in, and probably, you know, 10 years. And, you know, when typically people say, well, tell me a little bit about your background, right? This is usually what you get, you know, this would be in a, my typical background. Well, you know, I started in the healthcare space back in uh, 1996 as an intern at Aetna. I took on various levels of, you know, senior roles. I did this, I did that, did this, blah, 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 right? And here I am today. Instead, I told, you know, them the story. I said, well, My start in healthcare, it's a healthcare private equity firm, started way back in 1996 when my roommate came home from class and said, Aaron, Aaron, I found the career for you. It's high pay. It's low stress. You just have to be good at math. And you're the only person I know that's good at math. It's called an actuary. And so I told them the story about how that led me to Hartford. And, you know, so it's really about, you know, exposing something, whether it's it. And then I tell them about how I completely failed out of the actuarial field, which is another key component. 
And so it's, it's really about when people don't expect it, it's sort of, you, you bring that exposure, but I've taken it a step further. So I also, and you saw, I, I also created a framework and this really came out of writing the book. So back to your comment about passive, the biggest epiphany I had while writing the book and actually writing the Ted talk kind of at the same time was that so many times we talk about authenticity and we're like, it's like, this kumbaya thing, like, here's your permissions, Shelly, just be who you are. It's okay, right? It's sort of a, you know, subconscious, be yourself. And the reality in the success I had was when I realized I actually started to purposely use my authenticity, even though I didn't call it that, I would purposely use my authenticity to help me you know, gain followers and people that wanted to work for me. I would use it in negotiations. Like I actually used it as a way to get past assholes. Like if they're going to be an asshole, I'm just going to be totally authentic. And like, we're going to like, that's how we're going to fight. They're going to bring a knife. I'm going to bring a gun. And as I was writing the book, that's, that's what I really realized. I knew that I wanted to teach people about the power of it. But what it really comes down to is if you can not just embrace it, but you can kind of put a formula to it and use it as your new career playbook, that's where the power is. And then, and so then I also came up with a framework called humans. So it's six, I call it the six pillars of strategic authenticity. Okay. I want to dive into that, but first I want to say this, cause I, I don't even remember where I saw this. It might be in something you gave me or just something I heard you say, but there was like a fucking boom moment for me in this quote, people respect authority, but they follow authenticity. And it feels to me like that was a beautiful encapsulation of what you were just saying. So I didn't want to miss the moment to go, oh, sister, that's a truth bomb. Yeah. They follow authenticity. And that is exactly what you've discovered. It has been a secret weapon because that's why people love you and your leadership and follow you. Yeah. And it's, and it's, it's a message I came up with. And a lot of times it's a message that first and foremost, I kind of want to yell at those shitty leaders, right? Like, you know, I mean, it, it can land for a lot of people. It can be very positive, but there's also a little bit of a knife twist in that. Like you can go out there and yes, people, people will, you know, respect your authority, but they're not going to follow you to the parking lot, let alone, you know, around the street or where you need to go to, to take your business, your company where it needs to be. Yeah. And you're certainly not going to like have the kind of success that you had in turning the business around and in creating the followership that you have today. Okay. So let's dive into what the components are because I'm loving, you know, you and I have had many conversations and I just saw this humans framework for the first time the other day when you and I got on the phone or got on zoom before we turned the camera camera on, I was like, well, fucking A, like, this is amazing, girl. You are creating some serious intellectual property. I'm loving it. So I love that this is making its way into the book. And would you mind like taking us through, like just giving us a little sneak yeah. preview of what it is? Because it's really, it's so simple. Like its power is in its simplicity. Yeah. And, and this really came from, you know, what I don't want people to see and, and it really came out of that first keynote was people to say like, well, of course, authenticity works for her. Like, look at her. She's bold. She does the running man on stage. Like she's funny. She's like, I didn't want them to see authenticity as a synonym for charisma or anything else that, that truly, I truly believe that when you embrace a richer definition of it and then purposely use, you can do it. So I wanted to really, you know, say, okay, what, 
were those things that were important. And let me be honest, there's like 18,000 pieces of scratch paper and <laughs> thought that went into this. And it wasn't like I woke up one morning, but at the end of the day, I really believe in this framework. And so I'll just walk you through the, the six components. I so love it. Let's do it. H stands for humility. So I really talk about humility being this fast pass to connection. Like it's the quickest way to all of a sudden connect with somebody, especially somebody new. Yes. So that's the H. U is unexpected. And I really toyed with this one quite a bit, whether I wanted it to be unique or unexpected, because in some ways those seem very similar. But I spent a lot of time and I really believe that the unexpected is one of the powers of authenticity. So it gets goes back to that, you know, exposing yourself when people least expect it. It also goes back to always pushing the limits and the curve. So it's a perfect example. We're in a pandemic, you know, the first couple of months, it was sort of unexpected if you showed up in a hoodie, right, on a Zoom. Well, guess what? That's no longer unexpected. It's norm. And so unexpected really means like, you know, being authentic, like you have to constantly be at the edge of it. Like when I was a leader in in my company, you know, I would have a town hall, do something a little wacky. And it was like, okay, that one's done. Now, next time I need to continue to, you know, be at the leading edge. So there's also a lot of really interesting science behind unexpected and what it does to the brain. So I talk in the book about how it literally, when, when somebody's unexpected, what happens is then it wakes up the brain. So let's say we get on the call, you think I'm going to be sort of home drama. And then I say something that you didn't expect. All of a sudden what happens, Shelly, is that you're like, oh, I got to pay attention. Yeah. What's she going to do next? Right? Like, I, I, I you know, it's, it, it actually unlocks this curiosity. And so there's a lot of science behind how important that is to grab people's attentions, right? Especially in this crazy world where we're all distracted and we're all virtual. And so, you know, unexpected is really, really important. So that's the U. I love it. And then the M is model. So model really stands for, you know, I, I say sometimes like shut up and show up, right? Like, demonstrate what you want for people to feel versus say the words. And I talk a lot about this, both in the context of work and what you want for your team and the people around you, but also a lot for your children and your family. So a lot of what I talk about in the power of authenticity and what I talk about in You Do You-ish is that this is a strategy that helps you have a big career without compromise. Right. This allows you to cut through and not have the graph say, OK, for every inch I go up in success, I ha- I'm going to go down in you know, family life and my health or even my soul. And model is so important because a lot of what I talk about, too, as it relates to children, people with children, they're so worried about having to give up, you know, the more they work or the more promotion they have, the less time with their children. And I really talk a lot about our role isn't to do the things for them. It isn't necessarily just to provide for them. It's to model the life we want them to have. And that's the same with authenticity. Like when I talk about it, every speech I do, the book, everything, I'm always super, super conscious of like the words I say matter a little, but the feeling I want to give matters a lot. So I have to, I have to talk, you know, authentically. I have to, and it's not a facade, right? Like I have to always model you're living it. Yeah. Modeling it is living it. It's living that truth. And if we see you not living your truth, it feels inauthentic. Yeah. Right. If you're living somebody else's truth, it's like, oh, I'm trying to be that person or model somebody else's leadership or whatever, instead of leaning into my own strengths and superpowers, that's not authentic. 
Yeah. Yeah. And it just gives you a lot of permission, right? Like when, when you, when you change your mindset, whether it's at home or at work, your, your job is actually more about showing versus saying it just changes how you act. So that's M a is adapt. And I'll say that this one has landed for a lot of people. So adapt again, could be seen a little bit like, I don't know, an oxymoron, right? Like it's authenticity. If you adapt, does that mean you change? And the analogy I give is, you know, if you were to fly over to Paris tomorrow and wake up for a meeting and get ready, you know, want to blow dry your hair and walk into that meeting looking fabulous, you'd be screwed because you can't just plug in your hairdryer and have it work, you know, in France like it does. Not to mention they don't even want us in the country right now. Yeah, that's a problem. (laughs) But besides that. (laughs) But you have to adapt, like you have to plug into other people. And so another key component to authenticity is always thinking about because it's really about connections, right? And the only way you can really connect is really thinking through the lens of somebody else. What do they need? What do they want? And how do I make sure that I plug into who they are? Otherwise, if we're all just being authentic, we're running around, we're all just going to be bumping into each other, right? Nobody's going to be connecting because we're all going to be different people. This one is interesting because, just to maybe pause for a second, this one is like, if you're like me, and I know so many people who I coach and who I've, I've, you know, been in community with, we struggle, like we're recovering people pleasers, we're recovering chameleons. And so where is that fine line of adapt, kind of live outside your comfort zone, kind of plug into others without trying to become what others want you to become or what others expect you to become? Because that's also inauthentic. Well, I still want you to blow dry your hair just like you were going to do it. If you're like, I want a big poofy day and I want, you know, I want this big bun. I still want you to do that, but you have to adapt into somebody else first. So it's really, you know, for example, when I bring my authentic self. So today I spoke with you uh, at UConn, one of our local universities and spoke to some students. And I remember it's the first time I've spoke with this class. I haven't done anything with the university in a long time. And I remember thinking, I don't really know how this is going to go, right? Like I, I came to talk about my TED talk and then I also gave my TED talk. And and I remember we get on the call and the professor, there's two professors there. And she was just like immediately like telling like this joke and like super, you know, open. And I, I'm reading that, right? And so as soon as I read that, I'm like, full on Aaron authenticity, right? Now, if I would have come onto a call, like the private equity firm, the little more stiff stuff, I bring them in a little bit, right? Like I, I find a way to plug in. I, you know, I know that they're going to find a joke about actuaries funny, right? And so it's mm. really about kind of trying to meet people where they are. I was just going to say that, that to me. So that landed, meet people where they are. So you're not trying to become them. You're not trying to imitate them. You're not trying to please them, but you're meeting them where you are and then reeling them into your authenticity, basically. Got it. Okay. That landed. And that's part one of adapt. I also talk a lot about adapt of your own authenticity. So, you know, we also change continually, right? It's called growth. Actually, a gentleman I know just wrote a book called Personality Isn't Permanent, right? We all know that like your future, right? You know, all the memes. Wait, that's Ben Hardy. Yeah, Ben Hardy. Yeah, I love his stuff. He's amazing. Yeah, he was on the podcast, I think this spring we had him on. Yeah, oh my God, love, love, love. I'm He's fan. an incredible writer, incredible. Little power author. won't work. Poof, I've sent that book to some people. I know, I love his sassy like titles too, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, there's so much sass there. But part of ADAPT also is the concept of making sure that you adapt your own who you are and your own authenticity. 
toxicity because it's about growth. And so I talk a lot about, and I actually reference Dr. Hardy, right? Like it's about making sure that you're more focused on who is the future you versus who are you today. And if we can, if we, again, if we get too stuck in this like kumbaya, uh, passive, like just be whoever the fuck you are, like that's going to inhibit our own growth as well. And so I really want people to embrace and adapt, embrace the concept of adapting both for themselves and for others so that they don't get caught in this like, yeah, authenticity is great, but, but if you think about it in that more nuanced way, I think it's much more powerful and useful. Yeah. Yeah. How do you show up as who you want to be? Right. That's a biggie. I love that because that's constantly stretching us and pushing us and saying, yeah, you know what? I want to show up in different ways because I want to show up as the Shelly who gets invited to sit under the oak trees with Oprah. And I want to show up as the Shelly who gets invited on to the Today Show. I could go on and on, right? But that's that's what you're saying. It's like, so what do we need to change in terms of, and it's, I'm not changing my authenticity, but I am just showing up in a major way way. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. If nothing else, you're turning it on even more. Yeah. So the end, we're almost, almost to end of humans. N is narrate, which is another word for storytelling. So we talk a lot about the power of storytelling. I mean, this is, I think outside of humility, one of the biggest strategic weapons, right? The power of replacing facts and figures with stories and, and the power that that has to gain attention to persuade people to take them on a journey is really, I think, a key component to authenticity. And then S, the last letter is spark. So this is really about, you know, I always say inspiration is a circular reference, right? And and we have two jobs at every single moment in our life, always and forever. It's either to be inspired or to inspire. And so if you're not inspiring anybody right now, it's your job, Shelly, right? To go out and get your ass inspired. And then as soon as you're inspired, it's your job to inspire. And it's this constant circular reference. And, you know, I always say it's like a game of hot potato. It's like, as soon as you're inspired, like you better be throwing that shit to somebody else, maybe in a different form or fashion, right? And if you can think about authenticity as Part, the main goal is not just to connect, but it's to inspire others to be more of themselves so that they have. So you kind of create this flywheel. And I think that that really empowers you again to use it because it's not just about you. I'm not just being authentic to serve myself. I'm doing it also to spark like that thing that's dormant inside of you, right? That's what happens when I'm authentic too. Cause you're kind of like, oh, I always kind of wanted to be like that. Or I always wanted to say that, or I was thinking that and it helps unlock that for others as well. I love it. I've been I've been playing around with this phrase a lot that I I learned from a dear another soul sister and fellow coach Sarah Albritton and she says become a living invitation. Mm. And I just love this idea. It's exactly what you're saying. Like become a living invitation for authenticity. Become a living invitation by living that and modeling that and telling the stories about it and showing up as it, we are inspiring and we are becoming a living invitation to others to join this movement. Yeah, exactly. And that's what it is, right? It's a movement. I get asked all the time. I got asked this today by one of the UConn students. If it's so powerful, why is it so lacking, right? Like, especially in the corporate workplace, why? And the reality is it's nothing more than we have modeled the behavior ahead of us, right? So somewhere in the 50s, somebody was successful doing something, and then some woman was successful doing something. And we keep just saying, and most of it is passed on to us, the kindness of people's hearts, right? They say, here's what worked for me. You know, if you have a little more executive presence, or if you, you know, 
have a sponsor and all you have to do is blah, 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 blah. And unfortunately, we just have been modeled the same way time and time again. And what is what's it going to take to reverse that? Well, it's going to take an army, right? It's going to take a bunch of different models. Now, here's the best part. The models don't all have to sit at the top. In fact, one would argue that they're just as effective at the bottom because even leaders, like they look at their, they want to be more authentic too. They want that permission. And I tell people all the time, like, this is not a top-down strategy. This is something that can be homegrown, can be an army of people, can be sprinkled throughout all levels of an organization. And I hope that eventually we'll consume and change the way we, we work. How are you? I mean, so, you know, one of my big things, I want to talk about like the couple, a couple layers of the a movement, right? Because I'm big on movements. I want soulbatical to be a movement of liberating souls. And there's a whole lot of crossover with the work that you're doing and the movement that you're talking about. So one piece of it is, I think, movement of individuals like ourselves becoming living invitations for authenticity and practicing, you know, what you just laid out in this humans framework and living that every day. And the second piece of it is, how the fuck do we change this in the corporate world? The thing that you started with by saying, what breaks your heart? Mm-hmm. Like what breaks my heart, I agree. It's like the politics and the inauthenticity and just the, well, it should be done this way. It was always done this way. Like how do we start breaking that up and bringing more of this authenticity and humanity into the culture and, you know, like your framework into the culture? Like what does that look like in your mind? Yeah. I mean, I'm a big believer. I tell my, my coaching clients all the time. I don't change people. I just change their addiction. I'm not, you know, I'm not a big consumer of productivity podcasts and productivity books. And I just learned that I don't change that way. I I think I'm not alone that I think the change happens when people get addicted to something new. And, And part of that is seeing the results. Like for me, why did I keep turning up the dial on my authenticity? Well, because good shit was happening, right? So tell a story in the TED Talk. I mean, all the stories I tell are totally true. But one of them I tell is about how I had gotten uh, anointed as this uh, COO and like immediately had this massive contract negotiation that I had. It was like make it or break it. Like if we didn't have a good negotiation, like our financials were so bad, like it could kill us. And I'm like, I have no freaking clue what to do. And I remember... So I go into this meeting and I literally asked the guy, the executive on the other side of the table, what's important to you in this negotiation? And he like, I don't think he expected that question. So he just like kind of told me straight up. So I got like unfiltered and which was important information. And then he was like, of course, he asked it back to me. And I was like, well, our financials are struggling. And if I can negotiate this deal without a price increase, I'll have a good shot at becoming the next CEO. And like, and then all of a sudden I was just like, oh, did I really just say that? But I'll tell you what, Shelly, like we went through that negotiation. It was really gnarly, but he really started to advocate with his legal team because he was the business sponsor. And at the end of the day, not only did I, I mean, massively successful outcome. We went from, they were going to raise our rates to, I actually negotiated in a discount to our rates. And, you know, when I, when that happened consciously or subconsciously, I'll be honest, like there was a little bit of subconscious. I was like, oh, well, that worked out pretty good. Why don't I try doing some version of that again? And and I think that's how change happens. I think, unfortunately, people are very self-interested. The good news is the results happen. And I point to it in my TED Talk. There's data. But 
data only goes so far. People have to do their own experiments. And I think once they start to see models of this, they see different people's stories. I think the pandemic certainly will help. People have been forced. I think it's been, a, you know, an igniter for people to be yeah. you know, old stuffy, you know, executives. And I think once they start to see the results, you know, especially financial results, but qualitative as well. I think they're going to change their addiction. I don't think they're going to change their way. We're never going to tell them like read, you know, that's why I feel, you know, I, I talk about in my book, like most business books, you feel like you're, it's, I don't want to say a mar- you're a martyr, but you, you're, you're reading it. You're going to have to change your ways. You're going to have to do this work. You're going to have to go in the next day and you're going to have to like, instead of doing it this way, you're going to have to do it this way. And it feels hard. And, you know, what I talk about in my book is like, this is actually Fun. It's actually a win-win. And once you start to get the bug and the addiction and you do these just little experiments and you kind of just watch, okay, if I introduce myself, you know, at this next big meeting with a little bit of story, I'm just going to watch the faces and see, you know, how they react or how they react to me in the meeting. And once you start doing that, it's pretty easy to get addicted to it. And it's hard to go back. I can't go back. It's like physically impossible to, you know, Yeah, please don't. Because I mean, again, like you're a living invitation for this movement. You know, you had there was another quote that I wrote down, you say something uh, just talking about change in general. And I think a lot of this has to do with women in leadership. You talk about stop changing the job instead. No, sorry, stop changing for the job. Instead, change the job. And I'm so curious to dig more into that because I feel like these are all related. They are. I mean, so authenticity can solve a lot. And one of those things that I feel really passionate about and actually is at the heart of the TED Talk, why you don't have to compromise for your career, is I talk about how the biggest reason we have a gender inequality issue in the workplace isn't because women are being held down. It's actually because we're opting down. And by opting down, I don't mean out necessarily, but we're lowering our hands, right? And the main reason we're lowering our hands is because like I did, and I tell the story in the TED Talk, I look at, you know, the job before I look at the leader before when I was asked, you know, hey, do you want to be the next COO? I'm leaving. I want to, I want to recommend you. My initial first thought was in the way I articulate in the TED Talk, like I was worried about having to fit into this mold, right? This sort of club, right? That I have to enter into as I started, you know, this feeling I'm sure very well, right? And I feared like, my ego would grow. I say my calendar would overflow. My home life would become a shit show and my personality might even start to blow. And that sort of like encapsulates, like we fear we're going to have to compromise all these things, home and, and our soul and who we are and everything. And when I realized, and I mentioned at the beginning is like the epiphany I had was like, you shouldn't not do something because you hate the way it was done before do it your own way. And I feel like, you know, so many women look at these big jobs, very cookie cutter. Well, if I take that job, let's see, Joe was on the road three weeks out of the month and Joe was a fat slob and <laughs> Joe, you know, was mean to never people. ever saw his family, never right. saw his family, got divorced, right. Had a heart attack. You name it. Right. We see, you know, and women were very cute to that. Right. With like, we see all the things, the negatives. And actually there's research that shows this research from Harvard showed that women actually believe they can attain the high level positions just as much as men. But the difference in their data and the analysis they did was that women are far more likely to expect negative trade-offs as a result. So if all of that is true, and so many of us have felt that, if you can instead say, okay, I don't actually have to change for the job. I don't have to become Joe. Like I can actually change the job. 
And and so when I went into my job, I was like, well, yeah, no, I'm not really good at getting on a plane three weeks out of the year and doing steak dinners and like shaking hands. But here's what I'm really good at. I'm good at creating connections. I'm good at getting the best team to want to come work for me. Right. And guess what? A lot of that best team can, they can go be on the road when I can't be. And so really shaping it differently and saying, no, like, if you take that job, you don't have to be that person that had that job before. You can do it differently. And I would argue you probably can even do it better. I love that concept. Change the job, i.e. like change how you do it. Do it your way. I mean, I I love the little the little bit that I've seen of your book. I love I think this comes at the beginning. Is it where you say like, I hate books. <laughs> Yeah. I hate books. And you kind of, you alluded to it earlier in the conversation, but it's just like, because you haven't found them to be fulfilling. It's like 300 pages later and you're like, um, hello, <laughs> like, what am I, Wait, supposed what am I supposed to do? Like, that was a really good business case that we're fucked, but I don't, I don't know what we're supposed yeah, to do. Now what do I do? Okay. I'm leaning in. I'm leaning in. Yeah. Now, what, now what do I do? You're going to fall on my face. I, and I just, I think so that I love that that's where your book and your TED, TEDx talk meet because it is really powerful, this idea of like, so, okay, it doesn't have to be done that way. Let's change the way we do it. And so your inspiration to write this book, at least from what I've understood is like, I'm going to change the way we do it. Like, I'm going to fucking change the way that you write a book and the impact that book is going to have on other humans. And it's going to be a guide. What do you call it? The, the executive guide to authentic success. Like you are writing a practical book book to say, Hey, guess what? Here's a blueprint to how to do it your way. Is that true? Is that, is that what got you really? It's totally true. There's a lot of bitch clapping. There's a lot of like sarcasm and there's a lot of tough love throughout it, you know, but yeah, no, absolutely. And I always say, you know, authenticity is gender neutral, but it's advantage women. So people, you know, a lot of people think, Oh, you know, you probably get this too. Like you're a company for women. I'm like, why the fuck do you think that? Cause I'm a woman. Like, no, I actually have a lot of men that send me messages that thank me very sincerely through email and through you know, DMs and things like that, that I've empowered them to be more authentic. But certainly for women, that's why I say advantage women, because there's so much, we worry so much about like the bullshit burnout wall that, and this is a way to get past it and still have that success and not have to, you know, conform and and compromise. I love that. So is that is that the core message then at the heart of your TED talk? Yeah, the core yeah. message really is, you know, do it your own way. I love I mean, it. That's that if you if you really sort of boil it down, like at the end of the day, don't, you know, don't opt down, don't conform, don't like stop using the decades old, crusty old career playbooks that for some reason we just keep talking about the same shit at more and more women's leadership conferences. Instead, you know, embrace authenticity, do it your own way. I love it. I can't. So first of all, like, congratulations. Like, it ain't easy to secure a TED Talk, to get on a TEDx stage, to go through that whole process. And thanks for blazing some trails, sister. I'm super excited to have an experience, have that experience myself. And We're getting you up there next, girl. 2021, I just had an opportunity come across my desk. So something I'll talk to you about, like, off, off screen. But yeah, there's one that's particularly for women. And I really 
really like the topic and I think it's kind of in the crosshairs of, of what I, what I talk about. So yes, I'm going to be looking to you for advice and for sure. I think you said that the, the link will be, the video will be live in December, right? So I think by the time this comes out, we'll actually put the link in the show notes because I'm dying to watch it. And I definitely want to share it with everybody now that they've gotten into your message. The other thing I want, I got a couple things I want to say before we wrap up. So one is as more and more of us are hopping on the movement train here and, you know, becoming this living invitation for authenticity and doing it our way and realizing that we can be, my language is successful, right? I thought for so long that success and fulfillment were mutually exclusive. And that mountaintop was like, yeah, you had to make all those sacrifices exactly as you said earlier. And now I'm realizing, no, actually you don't, right? This is about our values and our boundaries and what we want to create and how we change the job exactly to your point, which is so, oh, it's so powerful. So as we get on this, this, this train, you have, I just love your language because we both have like rebel language. We say it like it is, we say it like, you know, we're not beholden to any sort of corporate glossary. And so you say, become an a-hole. <laughs> so when, so when oh you yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. That when you invite us all to become a-holes, what, okay. What the hell is that all about? Because I can't help but smile and laugh and love you even more every time I see it. Yeah. It's so funny. I love it. And I've definitely thought I'm like, I wonder how many corporate clients I'm losing because when they come to my website, the first thing you see is. Then you know what I say, sister, they're not your people. And what a great lesson. And I've been saying that too. I have to, I have to say, because maybe this is a good reminder and another way that you and I can keep each other accountable. But I keep saying, I wake up every day and say, I am orange. I am not beige. I am not white. I am not vanilla. I am orange and orange is not going to be everyone's color and flavor. And that's okay. So same for you, right? A-hole is a a version of that. Freaking love that. Yeah. So A-hole, you know, how that came about is I feel like a movement needs something to bring people together. Like, what do we call ourselves? What are we like all of us that are rebelling for authenticity? And so actually I sat around for full day with my, my former nanny, (laughs) like this was literally how I spent one day really trying to create what, what would be, what would we call them? And I remember sitting back, I was sitting on the couch and she said something and I was like, and it wasn't in context of what we're going to call him. She was like swearing or something. And I was like, a-hole, something about a-hole. And it like, it was like, I'm like, I think it's a-hole. And I didn't even know like what it stood for or anything, but I, I was like, they're a-holes. And so we actually went through this exercise, like, hey, okay, authentic, right? But in the end, a-hole stands for authentic humans overhauling lousy energy. And that's really what it comes down to. Like, I don't know how else to better describe it, right? When you hear the word lousy energy, right? Like, I don't, you have to, I'm sure your listeners are like six people pop into their head or like seven, not more last week and a half, right? Exactly. Really at the end of the day, that's what we're doing. We're, we're out to overhaul this just lousy energy that's that's out there in the world, especially in the workplace. And you know what, if you can't laugh and want to become an a-hole, then you're probably, you know, not bold enough. You're not orange enough to be our people. So, oh my God, exactly. I love that. Authentic humans overhauling lousy energy. I'm not even sure you and I talked about this before, and I'm not even sure I knew the full definition of the acronym. I love that. Like, sign me up. 
I have to do your manifesto. So you also, I told you when we met a couple months ago, you read me your manifesto. Yeah. One of the most beautiful, poetic, fuck yeah things I've ever heard, truly. The rebel leader's manifesto is what she's talking about. We'll put a link in that to the, on the show notes. Oh my God, you read it. And I was like, oh my God, like, <laughs> me up. I, like I mean, literally was like shaking. I was so powerful, but I also was like, oh. I heard that word manifesto in a while. So as we were playing with all this, and this is how my crazy brain works, I was like, I also want people to have their own thing. Like I want them to be able to like, my picture was like somebody like hiding under their cubicle, right? In the days when they're in post, like just coming out of this shitty ass meeting and looking at over at their cube mate who's like, and being like, let me just recite my a-hole manifesto. Like that will get me through it, right? Yes. Impulse out oh my god I, yes we came up with um it, it's on my website I encourage people to check it out so it's like a mad lib so you go you fill out I think it's like five or six questions it's like your name your nickname your favorite thing to do at a party a word that describes you a storm or something so it's like mad libs you just you don't know why you're filling it out you put all these things in and then it gets sent to me and I actually send you a video like it takes me usually a day half the time I'm not showered and then I I read you and I'm not going to spoil it but there is it goes into a little mad lib about your own personalized April manifesto. And it's just, you know, it's a little bit corny, but it's also, it's, it's really, I truly believe it's the small things that make big impact and having, you know, shit like that, where you can be like, I'm just going to like recite my manifesto to remind myself that like these lousy people are going to eventually go down. Sometimes this is what people need in a day. Yeah. And you know what? I'm not going to let them suck my energy. So you know what? I mean, on the Rebel Souls podcast, we talk about flipping the middle finger. That's a beautiful way to flip the middle finger. It's like, no, if we're flipping it to the status quo. We don't want that energy. We want to sh- start shifting that energy. And P.S. We've got to laugh. Like if we're not bringing some sense of play and fun along with this authenticity, like that is a part of much of our authenticity, right? That we just sometimes feel like we have to park at the door in for our work in the world, whether you run your own company. I mean, there are days where I find myself so serious. I'm like, who who are you? Like, what the fuck are you doing? You run your own company. You can make it up, have fun, like show up with no fucking pants on. Who cares? Like, (laughs) Totally. But you know what? We get in our own way and that's even, it's even crazier in the corporate world, right? So what a beautiful reminder to have fun with it. Yeah. Yeah. I we'll love have to get that. your a-hole manifesto. Oh my God. Okay. I'm signing up for it. So, okay. Let's, so I want, before we tell everybody where they can find you, I want to talk about when your book is available because I know it officially comes out. So it's you do you ish an executive guide to authentic success. I love it. You totally nailed the, you nailed the title and subtitle. I'm super excited by where you landed. And it, so it's officially out in Feb of next year, right? February, 2021. But am I right in saying it's available for pre-order now? Pre-order now. By the time this airs, it's it's available for pre-order next week based on when we're Okay. So when this airs, it will, so we will make sure absolutely to have the link because it's like, there's so much juiciness in this. And I want to make sure, cause you got big goals for getting some momentum behind this thing. And I, I want us rebel souls to support. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And there's all kinds of, I put, I 
There's a bunch of freebies if you pre-order. So there's a Spotify, I call it success playlist. Cause I talk about in the book, I talk about sucky songs that you sing to yourself. Yeah. So we have, we have a Spotify playlist. I have a book of quotes. So all of my 50 quotes to keep you going. You get that. I also have something I call an authenticity playbook. And it's a really fun, just 10 plays to like get you going. So yeah, if you pre-order, it'd be amazing. And we'll make sure to review with all these other little fun gifts. Love it. Okay. So where can we pre-order and where can we find you in general? We'll make sure we put all this in the show notes too. Yeah, you can. So go to my website, beauthenticinc.com. It's just the letter B, authenticinc.com. And the book is there. There's a tab for the book. So it's theauthenticinc.com slash you do you-ish. And yeah, that's really the best place to find me. And social, my biggest social platforms are LinkedIn. We can just find Aaron Petsapastis. I'm very active there. And then on Instagram, I pretend to know what I'm doing on Instagram, but that's where you get the full, you know, full frontal. And what's your Insta handle again? Aaron Hatsakostas. Oh yeah. Okay. I'm the only Aaron Hatsakostas in the entire world, which works out when you're trying to have a personal brand. That works out perfectly. For some reason, I thought it was be authentic. It was, it was, I switched it this summer. Okay. Got it. That's why I was like, wait a second. I thought it was. And then in your podcast is because, and we'll make sure that there's a link to that too, because that's super fun. And yours truly was on it. I don't know, a couple few months ago, right? Yeah, it was this spring. It was awesome. Course. Yeah. Super I can't remember fun. the episode number, but that Nicole does that. She's like my on the spectrum co-host. Yeah. <laughs> She'd probably be like episode number 58. I'm like, I don't know how you remember this. That's all right. If people are interested, well, actually we'll find the link and we'll put it in the show notes. So people yeah. are interested, but you know, they, that it would be like a double header of Shelly and Aaron. And I mean, Hey, there are worse things to do double headers. I'm exactly. <laughs> mind explosion, authenticity on steroids. And I just have to make one last comment because, you know, I'm a language freak. I love creating language. I, I love that you've created a whole in humans and just how you speak about you speak in just such relatable, accessible, human, funny, authentic terms. And when I was going back through your bio, I just like, I love that you say that you're a former CEO turned professional pot stirrer. And I just couldn't, like, I can't leave without, I realized I didn't bring it up in the conversation. I was just like, well, if that doesn't say everything about authenticity, it just feels like, boom, like we could just leave it there to go. Guess what, guys? Exactly. Yep. Everybody gets it now, right? They, we've just spent an hour together and you are a professional pot stirrer. That's exactly what you're doing. Like you're getting people to rethink everything, and you're doing it in an edgy, fun, authentic way. I say I'm a liberator of souls. Like, let's get rid of this, like, boring titles and, and you know, all the vanilla and the beige. Let's do more of the orange. You know, professional pot stir is bright orange and it's beautiful. <laughs> I love it. So I just wanted to commend you for that. And like, what a great reminder to all of us. Like, let's get creative on how we talk about what we do in the world, because that is part of being authentic as well. So yeah, kudos. I think, sister. I think of it every day, every time I post something on LinkedIn with all my former executive contacts, and I'm like, you know, I'm calling out some sort of bullshit. I'm like, well, I just got to remember that that's my profession now. That's what I do. 
lean into it. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. I am so excited for all the goodness when your TED talk, like, you know, hits the world and we'll start to get to more people and what, like what a beautiful way to a nice stage to set for, well, quite literally <laughs> for your book to come out into the world. You are just, you're creating so much goodness. And I feel really honored to know you and to be on this journey with you. And thank you for sharing all of this goodness with us. That means so much to me, Shelly. I've, I've just the utmost admiration. You're an incredible person and writer and yeah, the rebellious North Star that so many people need to have. I just can't wait to do so much good shit with you, girl. Mm, thank you. Yeah. To be continued and to everybody who listened, I hope you guys got some really yummy nuggets out of this and that you're like really figuring out like, okay, I'm going to embrace my authenticity and I'm going to change this shit up and do it my way. That is a good takeaway from this episode. So Aaron, thanks for getting us all fired up and stirring our pots and to be continued. Love you, sister. Thank you. And thanks to everyone who tuned in. Have a great rest of your day. Hey Rebel, thanks for listening. If you were inspired by what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review so our fellow Rebel souls can find us. We have big work to do together. And if you want to dive deeper, head on over to my website at soulbatical.com and follow me at soulbatical on Instagram. Until next time, stay bold, brave, and badass, and never stop asking, what am I rebelling for?